There was a boy who had a band of brothers. There was a boy who had a band of brothers. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. He left to meet in council in the wilderness of Maine. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. And if you asked him who it was he lived for. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. Far away! Far away! Far away! He'd tell you of Camp Cobbacy so far, far away. He'd tell you of Camp Good evening, Cobbacy families, and welcome to the final Cobbacy Evening Fireside podcast of 2018. We actually may do a few in the fall, but this is the final one from camp. The Braves and the Warriors are in their beds. The sun has gone down over the bunks, and it's time for you to find out what happened today. Each morning, before the boys shuffle off to morning flags, blue sheets are put on each wooden breakfast table. They are the color of a main summer sky, and each boy and each counselor pours over those blue sheets to see what will happen today. This is your blue sheet report about what did happen today, the last day of camp. Today was as perfect a day you can ask for in Maine. It was really, really beautiful and sunny. There was a steady breeze off the lake, 10 miles an hour maybe. So every single time you got a little hot, the breeze would come along and wash away all your worries. And it was packing day, which means everybody got up early, 7.30, 8 o'clock breakfast, quick cleanup, and then packing. We talked about this a little bit yesterday on the podcast, but packing day means a ritual where one counselor and one boy stand next to that boy's bags and take everything out of the cubby, put it in the bag, make sure all the wet stuff is dried out, all the dirty stuff is separated from the clean stuff. want to make sure that when you all open the bags on the other end, and it's not a nightmare in there, do our best to make sure that that happens. So much so that we have bag checkers go around and make sure that all the bags are packed properly. And then we have bag taggers that go around and tag all the bags. Is this bag going to California? If so, how is it getting there? All of that. There's a lot of focus on the bags. But in the meantime, what happens in the human element is that a counselor gets a boy ready to go home. If that isn't a counselor moment, I don't know what is. So they put the shorts in, and they talk about soccer, and they put the swimsuit in, they talk about going bunk tubing, and they put the toiletries in there, not all of them, obviously, and so on and so forth. And they talk about all the things that happened this summer. And our boys are good boys, and they are, I'm happy to say, connected to their emotions, and sometimes packing is a really sad thing for our boys. So they'll go in full of all vim and vinegar because they just were playing fly up or jackpot or whatever in the yard. Come in with that glow kids have after they got sun on them. And then they get done with packing and they sort of amble back out into the sunshine a little sad. And that's one of the interesting things about packing day is that it's both very beautiful and, and a little sad. There's a, a weird tension that happens every packing day. Boys cannot wait to see you. They can't wait to be home where things smell the same. can see their dog, even see their siblings. <laughs> but they, and see you, of course, and they get in their bed and have the light hit the wall just like it always does as they grew up. They can't wait to get back there. That's their place. But this has also become their place. And these are memories they're going to have a hard time telling you about. 
which is actually one of the reasons why we started doing this podcast. And that tension, leaving one home for another home, leaving the little home for the big home, well, that's an interesting electricity that runs through Packing Day. What it looks like in the small moments of the day is that the boys stand a little closer to you. I must have gotten 50 spontaneous hugs today. Sometimes the handshakes that turn into hugs, sometimes just hugs. And it, the size of the boy, the age of the boy, didn't matter. Sachem, CITs, seven-year-olds. There's a deep sense that these bodies will not be close to each other for much longer, and so you better grab them. Counselors putting their hands fondly on little boys' heads, tousling their hair, piggyback rides, shoulder rides, lots of those today. Everybody's getting ready to say goodbye. We had lunch and then rest hour, and man, the whole camp got packed in the morning. It's a new record. There are so many new things that happened in this session, and one of them is that, unbelievably, the biggest second session we've had ever, packed faster than any second session we've ever had, ever. <laughs> Someone do the math on that, and that's bigger math than I can do. Bunk photos. And then there's an afternoon of activities because we had some time. Volleyball, tennis, gaga, awesome ball, dodgeball. There was a spontaneous and extremely well-attended outdoor Lego doing session. Everybody did some Legos while listening to rock music. Looking so happy on the picnic tables just below the office. Went back to the bunks to get ready for the evening meal, which is banquet. Everybody's supposed to wear a collared shirt. I'd say we're probably 75% accurate on that one. We did not have... 100% success rate. That's okay. And we handed out the year gifts. This is a pretty special moment. So when you're a third year, you get the first of the year gifts. If you come back three years, you get a beanie that says three on it, Kabasi. And then four is a bag, and five is a really nice fleece. I'm a five-year this year. I got a fleece. And on and on and on, up until you get to some pretty sweet garments. There's a really nice sweatshirt. There's a really cool vest. There is a really cool rain jacket, pair of pants, sweatpants, and then at 10 years, you get a brick. You get to have your name on the walkway forever, ever and ever and ever. We've made it 117 years, probably going to be another 117 at least, and that means that the two names that got set down in that path today, being Raheem Somerville and Daniel Rudden. Well, those are going to be there forever, and that's something. See these boys, and they are both boys. Usually it's men, because it takes a long time to get to 10 years. Both these boys started early and stuck with it. They got their 10-year brick this year. And Raheem has been here since he was a little tiny guy, wandering around, playing basketball. He's always loved basketball. And Daniel Rudden, one of the nicest boys, a steadfast kind boy who was always ready to let loose some self-deprecating humor, didn't take himself too seriously, but takes the team very seriously, looks out for others. Rahim, always funny, always the bunk, looking to him to make them laugh. Both boys, so both young men, so good for the group. I think I'm very proud to have them be 10-year brick holders because they are special young men. And then the banquet, we had steak and lobster and half chickens, literally eight-year-olds walking off with a half chicken and then eating it all. That happened tonight. Then 
Also, corn from down the road and really nice baked potatoes with a full baked potato bar. French fries, because you need French fries if you're having baked potatoes. Of course, fried onion rings. It was a feast. Excellent salad bar. Outside, under the beautiful skies, under the, the main blue skies, just starting to turn to twilight. And then we had our last Chipwitch Challenge of the year. And I have, I'm sure everybody here knows what this is, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Chipwitch Challenge is, there's a Chipwitch, it's a famous dessert by Good Humor, except no substitutes, and it's in a foil package, and the rule is this, if you open the Chipwitch in such a fashion that it shoots into the air and you catch it in your mouth, after you have said the words, this is my moment, this is my Chipwitch Challenge, then I have to give you $100. It's happened exactly zero times since it was invented. Lando, a counselor from three years ago, got it in his mouth and it fell out. But he hadn't said the words anyways. No, he had said the words, and then he got it in his mouth and fell out. A bunch of Sachem and seniors and inters, the older boys, have gotten it to hit them in the mouth, which is good because that's obviously where you have to catch it. But they um, they didn't. We weren't, they weren't able to close the deal. And they save up their moment. You only get one in your whole life. You don't get to just do it year to year to year. You only get one moment in your whole Kabasi life. So all the older boys save it up for six, seven years. And then they do it, and they get their one shot. They say, this is my moment, this is my Chipwitch Challenge. And there were three or four, and then a tall sachem by the name of Luke Boyer steps into the circle. He is a tall, handsome boy, really, really good to others. Says, Josh, this is my moment, this is my Chipwitch Challenge. He flips it up in the air. The Chipwitch rotates slowly. I don't know how he did that, but he did it. Usually it's spinning like mad. And then he catches it in his mouth. He caught the Chipwitch for the first time ever. And in front of the campfire today, I gave Luke Boyer $100. That happened. You never know what monsters you will create by daring children to do things. I hope this is not like the four-minute mile or I'm going to have to start saving a little bit more aggressively. And then the campfire. Campfire, obviously, everyone jumps around on Warriors Field for a while, and then we go through underneath the Brotherhood sign. Everybody in the entire camp hits the sign. They go through. See this in the pictures. Get there. Lots of jumping around. Lots of great songs. Griff got up and talked about Color War. Griff actually also said something really poignant tonight. He said that, that we're making jokes about his, uh, his contract, contract extensions. There's always a conversation about Griff's quote-unquote contract at the end of each summer. And he said that he has a five-year-old grandson. Obviously, in three years, that grandson will be eight, which is Brave's age. Wouldn't it be something if Griff's grandson came to Camp Cobbacy, participated in a color war? How about that? In the end of the campfire, I sang a song I like to sing called This Old Hammer. It's about John Henry, my favorite American legend. And before I did, I talked a little bit about the continuity of boys through this place. This is the single oldest running boys camp in the nation maybe the world i don't know but certainly the nation there's one camp older than us and it was co-ed so we're the oldest boys camp period which means the boys have been looking at these trees and this water and those stars since 1902 founded by romulo marsans first generation cuban immigrant
I don't know if it's just because they were tired or because it's the end and they're sad, but they were actually listening this time. They were silent as I was talking about it. And I said, when we get here in the spring, it's frogs we hear at night, like I said last night on the podcast. And in the other end, right now, it's crickets and cicadas because the earth is turning and things are changing. The season is shifting. It's already dark an hour earlier than it normally is or what it is when we get here. And yet, through all those changes, there have been boys at Camp Cobbesee, boys at one Camp Cobbesee circle, Monmouth, Maine, 04259. I want to say something really quick about this Sachem group. Four years ago, or maybe it was five years ago, they were a warrior's bunk. They were in Blackfoot. And they liked each other so much that they were almost uncounselorable. If anyone tried to apply too many rules to them they would just burn themselves out these guys went to bed when they wanted to go to bed and they got up when they wanted to and they had this pugnaciousness to them that i always sort of admired from afar while trying to control it but that's kind of like trying to get lightning in a bottle we called it the blackfoot effect they've had a hundred percent retention in their bunk and then this other bunk that joined them that also stayed as soon as it joined a hundred percent also and they've been this crew this fierce crew and not in an exclusive way, just in this really tightly knit, solid way. They are the example of a cohesive group. And of course, their edges softened as they became more mature. And I just like them so much. I just love their dynamic so much. And it's going to be sad to see them go. I'll just say it. I'm going to be sad to see them go. The Blackfoot effect. We hope we see it in other bunks. And we certainly saw it in them. They're quite a group. So tomorrow, the thing that is so great about visiting day is that you get to see all these wonderful families and there's all this hugging and love and everything is wonderful and it all happens really fast. So this is kind of the last big, solid us day. And then, of course, parents and families, you you are 
part of our larger network. But this is the last night of just the boys and the counselors at Cobbacy for 2018. And I am, if you can't tell, a little melancholy about it. I'm really, really going to miss these guys. And although we will get almost everyone back, I'm sure, it will not be exactly like this ever again. While at the same time, Cobbacy will be exactly the same. And that is your little informal podcast. Last one of the year at Camp Cobbacy for Boys. Your boys will go to sleep tonight with good counselors watching over them. They will nod off surrounded by their friends. Loons sounding on the lake. All is well in this place set apart.